This morning for us kicks off a brand new ministry season. If you're familiar with our church, you just look around. We've got a lot of young folks and as school launches back, one of the things that's relatively unique about our church is since we're a non-denominational church, we have people from all different backgrounds, all different places, spaces, races, uh, different denominations, uh, some uh, you know, very traditional, some very liturgical, some very contemporary, some very progressive. Um, and for, for a lot of us, too, being honest, we don't really have that much of a religious background. Um, we got invited somebody, and they promised you lunched after, and you said, all right, fine, I'll go. Um, but for whatever reason, we have a tendency to basically bring in um, a melting pot of different people. And so when we kick off new ministry seasons for our church, one of the things that we love to do is talk about church in general. And the reason is, is nobody who walked in this morning had an emotionally neutral thought about church. If I were to ask you as you walked in the door, which I didn't because it'd be a little bit of an awkward introduction, um, but if I was to say, hey, what do you think about when you think about church? You would think about something, and that is not an emotionally neutral thought. For some of you, you had wonderful church experiences and backgrounds, and church, if I were to say, what do you think about church? I mean, you just had this awesome, you know, vacation Bible school, and this camp that you went to, and you had so many goosebumps, and it was so incredible, and, you know, it was just wonderful, wonderful experience for you when you think about church. For some of us, you know, it's kind of in the middle. It's a mixed bag. You had some good, and you had some not so good. If this was Spanish class, you know, you would answer by saying, a C, a C. You know, you, you're, you're kind of in the middle between, you know, you had some really wonderful things, but there were some things that you saw. There were some things that you experienced. There were some, perhaps, issues that you were privy to that left you kind of feeling, eh, you know, it's okay. And for some of us, if we're being really honest, when we think about church— It is not good. It is not mediocre. It is just bad. Because perhaps you were raised in a church, perhaps with a type of thought, a type of an agenda, a type of belief. Perhaps you were raised around Christians who made you feel a particular way. Perhaps you were hurt by a church leader. Or or maybe for you, let's be honest, you weren't raised in any kind of a church. And as you experienced church people, you hated them. Not only were they not nice, not kind, they were judgmental, and and, and you wouldn't never say this out loud, but I can say it because I got a microphone on. You know, they had about the social and emotional IQ of a third grader, you know, and about the, you know, they all wore turtlenecks and no one ever hung out outside of playing, you know, spoons on Friday night. They just, it's like, what are you people, you know, y'all just crawl from the rock on Sunday and show up and say, oh, you know, and then, then you go back in. And so for all of us, church is a non-emotionally neutral thought and subject and idea. And so we love to talk about in those thoughts, in those experiences, in that that kind of information and data set, as we think about church, we all project then what church ought to be, what church ought to do, and functionally what we're going to talk about this morning, the purpose of church itself. And and, and here's what's fascinating to me is, you know, I just, you know, in, in the church world fairly often. In a church world, there's this huge shift that has happened over about the last 20 years. 20 years ago, if you were to talk to somebody who said that they were an active church member, an active, they were actively participating in their church, what that would have meant for them was that they'd go to church or some type of a church activity probably three times a week. Not a month, not a year, not a semester, 
a week. They went to, you know, church on Sunday, and then maybe they went home, and they kind of came back and had church on, you know, Sunday night, or they came back and they had church on Wednesday, and then again, they didn't have anything else to do, so they're like, well, let's just go to church on Friday, you know, and, or let's go to church on Thursday or Saturday, and <laughs> they forgot that football season happens, right? And so they just said, yeah, we'll have a Saturday service. It's like, that is a terrible idea. In let, let me just tell you, unless Jesus says something directly, we will never have a Saturday service, okay? Now, I realize in saying that we're probably going to have a Saturday service, because God would be like, okay, <laughs> that's funny, Ben. Okay, here's a Saturday service. But let me just tell you, God willing, okay? Knock on anything you can knock on. But, but the idea behind this is we all have this, this thought of what it means to look like and go and to participate in church. And 20 years ago, that would have looked like multiple times a week. And now the active church participant goes to church on average about three times a month or engages in some type of a church thing about three times a month. And, and let me tell you why I think that is and why that, that's so important. And what the question that we're going to start to answer this morning is why in the world would you go to church in 2018? I mean, think about it. It's the same reason why attending or interfacing in church-specific things has decreased because the availability of church things has increased. And here's what I mean. If you think about principally what churches provide— on Sunday morning, oftentimes they provide information and inspiration, right? Information, here's God, here's Jesus, here's the Bible. <clears throat> inspiration, go do it, you know? And then there's a Bible study. There's some type of a communal aspect of it. There's, there's a friend group. There's a friend circle. There's a group of people that sit around and talk together, pray together. Guys, sometimes they share their feelings together, you know? But <clears throat> you get together and there's a communal aspect of it. And then <clears throat> there's some type of a service Go do, go help, go serve. And then, you know, we wouldn't we'd never really say this out loud, but again, I got the microphone, you know, there's a, there's a giving aspect to it, you know? And so those are kind of the four things that make up church. And what you and I all know is today, you don't have to go to church. In fact, you don't even have to be a part of a church to get any of those. You can go on your drive to school or your drive to work or your drive from work and you can hear some of the greatest communicators in the English language that teach and talk about the Bible on any podcast. You just click up iTunes or if you've got a droid, I don't know what you do, you know, get saved first and then get an iPhone. But, you know, you can, I'm saying, and then go to Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru. Um, but... You just click up iTunes. You click up your favorite guest, you know, celebrity pastor, guest pastor, you know, whatever it is. I'm not being critical of that. I listen to all kinds of people. Or if you're, you know, you're, 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 you're deeper, which means you're just, you know, you like things that are a little bit more complex, which really just means a different lexicon. I digress. Um, <clears throat> you can go on iTunes U, and you can download the iTunes U app, and you can probably find your favorite seminary or your favorite school of thought towards seminary and download all of their, or at least most of their classes on the Bible on God, on theology. You don't have to go to church. In fact, for most of us, if we're being honest, the best information isn't even at your church. If you had to pick between me and Tim Keller, okay? Those of you guys, you're Christians, you're saved, you get this, okay? If you're not a Christian, kind of on the periphery, like, just whatever. This is like, this is like, okay, if you could choose between, let me think about Florida State, you know, Luke Laux, good basketball player, or like LeBron, okay, we, we know where you're going. So, me and Tim Keller, like, dude, go to his church, okay? And you can hear him. And 
You don't have to go to a church to go and have community, to have Bible study. There are plenty of other places. There are plenty of non-church or parachurch. Um, there are plenty of just, you know, random Bible studies that happen that meet throughout the week. You don't have to sit in a circle and talk about your faith and, and pray for and, and live life with other people. You don't have to be a, ch- a part of a church to, par- to be a part of that. Now, granted, as a Christian, you're a part of the big church. I'm talking about the, a local church. In fact, there are plenty of non-profits. There are plenty of Christian-based non-profits. Last week, we had Ryan Sprague, who is the CEO of the Pregnancy Health and Information Center, that you, if you got a really good arm, you could probably throw a rock from the corner of our building and hit their building. One of our community partners, he came and taught. He runs a Christian-based nonprofit that helps women who are in you know, families, really, but primarily single moms who are in emergency situations who are pregnant. Said, uh oh, you don't have to go to a church to serve. And, and here's what we did because we're smart. We, you know, pastors, we, we, we get in a group and talk about this, obviously. The problem is, is then how are they going to give? Well, you don't even have to go to church to give. You can go online. In fact, you don't even have to go online. You can just download an app. In fact, you don't have to download an app. You can just text and you can give or you can give to other church type things, other kingdom building things. So let me ask this question. Why, on God's green earth, in 2018, would we think it is so valuable and important that you be a part of a local church? Now, how we're going to get there is through the lens of leadership. And let me tell you why. There's, There's a guy named John Maxwell, and he has a famous saying that says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think the answer to the question of why every single person who calls himself a Christian should be involved in the church, and I think if every single person was involved in a church, how God called us to be involved in a church, if you're here and you're wrestling with Christianity, it would probably change the way that you think about church and God and Jesus. I think it is more reflective of leadership because I believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. And so Paul, talking to this church at Ephesus, says this is the purpose or the function of the leaders of the church, and in that we discover why in the world church and being a part of a church is so stinking important. If you got your Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians. We're going to be about halfway, two-thirds of the way into the book of Ephesians. We're going to start in chapter 4. And, and by the way, if you're not familiar with the Bible, let me explain why, how it got the name Ephesians. Um, the Bible is super creative. Okay, they had a bunch of trendy hipsters. Everybody had square rim glasses. And they got and they said, what should we name this book? And they said, what's the weirdest Greek word that we can come up with? Now, it's a place Paul, who was an early church guy is writing to, uh, called Ephesus, Ephesus, so Ephesians, this would be like if, you you know, he wrote a book today, it would be called Tallahassians, or Wakulians, or Perians, or, um, I don't know, Tampaians, Orlandoians, Atlanteans, you know, uh, Boca and uh, Panavidra Beachians that drive white Mercedesians, you know, these are... It's just a city that he's saying in each city there was a major, not a major church, but there was a church that represented the entire group. And so the church of Ephesus, the church of this city, here's some things that you need to know. He's going to say, and this is why God has given the church leaders. And in that, again, we discover the purpose 
for you and I to go. Verse 11, he says this, chapter 4, verse 11. And he, being Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Those are kind of the, the pastors. So he says, okay, so these are some different points in different places and different positions of leadership in the church. And he has given these, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let me pause and say a couple things. He's saying the reason that the church has these leaders is not simply to give information. It's not simply to put you in a place in a context where you grow. It's to actually equip you, prepare you, get ready for something. Then he says to equip the saints. Now, depending on your background, saints can mean a lot of different things, especially if you come from a more liturgical, especially a Catholic background. Saints can mean a deified person. That's not what he meant when he said this. When he said this, he was talking about Christians, okay? For all the you know, folks with a traditional kind of southern background, when he said Christians, it didn't just mean that you had a, a social affiliation with Jesus, right? It, I'm not Islamic, I'm not Buddhist, I'm not Hindu, so I guess I'm Christian. The idea was, for everyone who has placed their faith in the belief that you and I are innately sinful, you and I all share this same problem. And though it is individually condemning, it's not like, you know, you're a terrible person and you're a terrible person and you're a terrible person. It is that all of us share the same problem, that we are sinful. And the problem with that is that God is holy and there cannot be any sin in his presence. And so no matter how hard I try to de-sin myself and be a good person myself, I am still a sinner. And so God saw that. God did not hold it against us. But God said, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to do instead. Just like anything else, because we have sinned, because essentially we have rebelled against God, we have known the good we ought to do, and we didn't do it, and we have sinned in doing that, God saw that and, and saw that there had to be a restitution that was paid. Okay, everybody in the legal world, you, you get this, right? When someone has been wronged, when an infraction has happened, there has to be some type of restitution. A.K.A., if you come up here and slap me after the service, like, I know that God says to turn the other cheek, but you might get slapped back, okay? I'm saved, but not that saved. You know, you punch me like, okay, we're, you know, I'm going to, in the biblical sense, lay hands on you, okay? Because, like, we're not going to be like, oh, dude, like, I forgive you. Like, I might forgive you, but it's going to take a minute to get there. So, you know, if you have done something and, you know, getting caught speeding, you've got to pay the fine. Well, that was a fine that we couldn't pay because we couldn't unsin ourselves. And so what God did is he sent his son to pay that fine for us so that we could be reconciled with God. And he didn't do it in a far-off place. He didn't do it off on a far-off planet. He did it in recordable history. And it wasn't because Jesus was a good teacher. It wasn't because he was inspirational. It wasn't even because he did miracles. None of that stuff was unique to Jesus. It was because... They saw a guy hang on a cross. No one expected God to die. And on Easter morning, when they all went to the tomb, no one said he is risen. 
They all said where to go. And it's funny, and we talk about this. If you've been here in our church for a while, you, you know, we say this often. We, you know, on Easter morning, everybody says, you know, he is risen. And everybody else says, indeed. Yeah, except for they didn't say that. They said, he's gone. Everybody else said, where'd he go? Read it. I promise. No one expected him to rise from the dead. But when a, they, he actually showed back up and they saw Jesus, they say, perhaps he actually was the son of God. Because if you can call your own death and resurrection, maybe you are in fact Jesus. And this was the hallmark. This was the cornerstone that qualified you into sainthood. That you believed, and I believed, and we believed, that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he paid the price for the restitution for our reconciliation. And in that, if there was ever any doubt, the resurrection for the early church and for our faith is the cornerstone that it all rests on. And so as Paul's saying, he's saying, okay, so here's the point of the church, right? It's to equip the people who have professed their hope and their faith and their belief in that. It's for the people who, who are a part of that group to be equipped for the work of ministry. Now, let me tell you why that's different. Many of us were raised in churches where the purpose of the church leaders was not to equip. It was to be basically a spiritual safe haven. And it can be that. But the purpose of the church is not simply a place for my consumption, but it is for my productivity. Not to further our church, but the kingdom of God. And it is our job as church leaders, I'm going to tell you, to equip you to do that. Here's the problem. He says, it's for the building up of the body of Christ. In other words... The reason we exist as a church, the reason we think church is important, isn't because we think that you have to go here because without this information, you will not grow in your faith. In fact, for some of you, you already know this information. It is because we are called as church leaders to equip you to do the work of God, to build up the body. This is how he continues this this thought process in verse 12 and 13. Let me read through this. He says he gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Now, shout out to womanhood as well, but you get what he's saying. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now he says, it's not meant for your consumption. Yeah, yeah, you're going to learn. You're going to grow. Hopefully, there's always benefit. There's always value that's added. But perhaps the purpose of the church was never for us to consume. Perhaps it was for us to participate, for us to engage, for us to add value to the kingdom in the world, that we would all grow together. Strengths, weaknesses would collide together. And that through that, we would have the fullness of Christ. We would understand and we would represent that. Continues. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way 
into him who is the head, into Christ, for who the whole body is joined and held together. He's saying this. When you think about the church, think about the church. Here's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to be a body. It's to be a living, moving, breathing organism that's a representation of Jesus. And I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. You see, he says the whole thing is directed by Jesus. But what happens here, what happens is there is a movement of God. It's not about our organization. In fact, let me just tell you how I'm going to end this sermon, okay? This, I, I think you ought to be involved in a local church because I think that's the way that we add the most value because there is extraordinary synergy with different people with different gifting from different places and different spaces and different races all come together, okay, really fast. But let me tell you this. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you a list of my favorite churches in town that I would go to if I didn't go to our church, okay, because I just think you should be involved in a church. So if you're in here, you're freshman, you're like, ooh, where should I go, okay? I'm going to give you all the places that I think you should go if I were to church shop here in Tallahassee. But here's the point. There is such complexity. It's simple, but it's complex. As a church, we do basically three things. We worship together. We commune together in groups. And then we serve together. Some of that happens on Sunday morning. Some of that happens out in the community through Project Tallahassee, through our HOPE program. But we basically do three things. But there are so many different parts. There are so many different community group leaders that are needed. So many people that need to have the ability to teach, to minister, to pray. To give wisdom, to give counsel. There's some of us that on a Sunday morning, I mean, I, I couldn't do what I do without people who are at the coffee bar, right? I mean, like some of you guys, the only reason that you're engaged right now is because you just had a wonderful cup of coffee, right? I'm like, man, 8:30 service make it extra strong, okay? Because it all adds value. And when When different parts and pieces with different groups, with different gifting come together, there is extraordinary progress that's made. But not for our church, for the kingdom of God, which is the only thing that will last for eternity. Some of you guys, it's not not even in our church, not even in like, you know, we're just equipping you to be the best stinking accountant that you can possibly be to make a difference for the kingdom of God as you're like separating beans and separating beans. You know, you're like a teacher, you know, and thank God for you, you know, because you got a bunch of little like ones that are like five and six and seven and eight, and I would not be happy as a person if I were you. But, you know, man, you just teach and you educate and you make a difference. We want to equip you to do that. You're a lawyer. First, get saved, okay? And second, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Um, we want you, we want you, we want you to do the glory of God. You're, you're a Chick-fil-A employee, right? I love Chick-fil-A, okay? Shout out to their app because I get lots of free stuff from it. But, you know, you're like, man, I'll give you three Polynesians. You know, look at me, you know. Oh, Eight-count nugget, I'm going to give you a nine-count nugget. Is it stealing? No, it's all God's food, okay? So <laughs> you do, and our job is to equip you because there is such, I mean, come on, hello. Anybody who wasn't here this summer, you know, you know this, you saw this. How awesome is it to have Jordan on drums, you know? Like, can we give a quick shout out for him, by the way? <laughs> One girl. Woo. Okay, so <clears throat> he's single, uh, I think. Actually, I don't know. Anyway, man, he's on. <laughs> We're going to record the next service. You know, he's on drums. I'm telling you, sometimes like in the middle of worship, I'm like, I don't even think, like I'm thinking about Jesus because whatever, you know, but, but I'm sitting there watching Jordan. I'm like, dude, man, he's killing it. Like, you know, I'm just like, I'm mesmerized by his like fills and things that he fills in with. And I just, let me, let me tell you, you 
have gifting, you have wiring, you have ability, you have extraordinary value that God has called and invited you to add value to the kingdom. So please, please, please do not buy in to the reason that we exist or any church exists as an organization is simply for you to consume. We are spiritual and kingdom contributors. You are so important, and God has invited you to leverage your sphere of influence, your gifting. Man, you're an administrator. You can organize your I can't organize my way out of a paper bag. You can organize content, curriculum, design, creative. Man, you are given a gift. And when we come together, the beauty is, when we do this right, it creates something that actually reflects who Jesus is. It's beautiful. It's excellent. It's glorifying to God and it builds the kingdom. He, he actually explains what happens as he finishes in verse 17. Before we kind of pivot to the next thing, I'm sorry, verse 16. I start at verse 15. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of who, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, in other words, th- this is what happens. This is what happens when it's not political, when it's transparent. This is what happens. When it's honest, this is what happened when, when it's not one or two leaders trying to pull everybody and say, come on, come on, come on, come on, love God. This is what happens when everyone understands that I am a hand, I am a foot, I am an eye, I am an esophagus, I am a test, an intestine, uh, you know, I am a toe, you know, whatever it is that, that, that your thing is. It, man, I, I just realized, if you're not a church person, you're not familiar with the Bible, that might have gone way over your head. Okay, he's going to talk about the body of Christ and how we are a body that has a lot of different parts. So, anyway... <laughs> It almost got real weird. Someone's like, dude, I am not going back to that church. <laughs> when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You want to know why I think churches are dying and people aren't going? It's because we have eradicated the ability to leverage your gift and your strength. I hope no matter what church you go to, you are able to not be a consumer, but to know that you have been given a gift and a wiring and that we only have a short amount of time here on planet Earth. And we do not leverage our time to build our own temporal kingdom. Though why that might be some of the by and by in life, we realize there's a much greater eternal kingdom that we have been called to build. And God's primary vehicle, that is the local church. And if you've been going here for a while, let me, let me tell you why I think this is so important for you. Here's my experience. When someone first is wrestling with God, wrestling with Jesus, Christianity, the Bible, kind of on the periphery, not really sure. There is a high dependency on the church for growth. In fact, when you first place your faith and your hope in Jesus, 
there is a high level of dependency on church for growth. But if the church is doing its job, we are equipping you for independent and autonomous growth. Hopefully, the church will always add value. But it is not that your relationship with God is totally contingent and dependent upon the church. If we're doing our job, you're growing, you're reading, you're praying, you're understanding, you're ministering, you're serving, you're doing all this stuff. If, if this were a graph, right, the longer, hopefully, if we're doing our job right as leaders, the longer you've been apart and engaged, the less dependent you are. But the more value you add. What's weird about church, and I, I just don't get this, is we get this in every other organization that there is. Right? And, and in a couple, and shoot, man, seven to eight days, we're going to do the most glorious thing that happens in our city. Florida State football is going to hit the field, you know? Or, you know, FAMU football or, you know, TCC, whatever y'all do, you know? <clears throat> the football season's coming, right? And when, when someone first comes in, right, they're a freshman, they're developing, there's a high level of dependency on, you know, coaches and staff and learning and offenses and lethal simplicity. Am I right? You know, there's just, there, there's this sense that like, you know, there's a high level of dependency. But the point isn't that by the, by the time you're a senior, you are still as dependent. And you know this, if you ever played a sport, especially started a, a sport as an adult, you were so dependent on people to tell you where to go and what to do and how to do it. But that wasn't the goal to always be like that. In fact, as you became more independent, you started to play. You started to contribute. You started to make a difference. And the goal, God willing, is that we win a national championship once again. You know, the spirit of Bobby Bowden has, has fallen on us. But, you know, the, the idea is even, even the walk-on who just barely made the team dreams of dressing out and playing in a game to really add value when it matters most. And here's all I'm saying. I think the church is the same way. I think the lie that we've bought into is there's only one part of the graph. That it's my consumption, my dependency, my consumption, my dependency. And as my dependency wanes, sometimes I look around and say, is there anything else for me here? (laughs) Which I would say, absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully we will always, again, bring value. But especially for you, if you've been a Christian for a long time, here's how this makes sense to me. I'm sorry for all the sports analogies, but, you know, whatever. This is like when the Olympics come around, Summer Olympics. And all of a sudden, you've got this dream team of basketball players. A couple years ago, you know, in Beijing, you had, uh, in 2008, you had, you know, Kobe Bryant, you had LeBron, you had Melo, you know, I, I hope Steph Curry and, and uh, Durant weren't there because they're, you know, atheists, I think. Just playing. That's not against. Anyways, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <clears throat> you have these extraordinary, I mean, basketball, athletic royalty. <laughs> and you had Coach K, a college coach who was coaching. Now, Coach K is going to add value, but his value is going to come through accountability and alignment. 
Not that, hey, 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 Kobe, here's how you shoot. You know, LeBron, here's how you do a left-handed layup. Oh, I thought they didn't teach you that yet, that even though you're an all-star, you know, but here, here's how you do that. Here's how you dunk, you know. Here's how you jump. Here's how you tie your shoes, you know. He brought value through alignment, and he bought, brought value through correction, and he bought, brought value through, and this is why, just in case you're wondering why they had Coach K, because he took a group of different players who were all used to being an all-stars and created this synergistic, unbeatable team, and that should be the local church. And here's all I'm saying. If you are here and you are skeptical about church and you have been hurt by the church and burned by the church and your experience with the church is not positive, here's what I'm guessing. If you experienced a group of Christians that did this, you would think differently about church because the primary pushback to church and church people, Jesus and Jesus people, is that they talk about the fact that they love this God, but they live nothing like it. What if they did? That's all I'm saying. What if they did? What if they actually prioritized? What if they actually were alignment? What if they actually were unified? Now, we're going to link this somehow on podcast and show notes, and I don't know what all that means, but... <clears throat> If you're here and you're thinking, man, this is cool, but I, you know, there's other places to try, I would say try it, absolutely. Let me give you, let me give you my list of places that I would try. Um, this isn't in particular order, but just order that comes to mind. One, many of you probably, probably are in this place, City Church, good friend of mine, Dean and Sarah is a pastor there. I think the world of Dean, I think the world of his heart, he, he's a little bit crazy at times, but you know, I, I, I think Dean's a wonderful dude, and I would, I would not hesitate to say, if you were looking for a church, try that church. If you don't connect here, if you don't leverage your gifts here, try that church. Uh, a church that I would suggest on the south side of town here, Pastor um, Reggie Hutchins, he's also, by the way, one of the chaplains for the football team. It's called Unity Baptist Church. Um, sometimes, th- this is how you know how legit Unity Baptist is, because their senior pastor, Reggie, his son, Greg, um, also speaks there from time to time. From time to time, we have Greg come speak here. And, and if you know if you've heard Greg, a, a Greg sermon, because, like, man, he's talking. He uses so much scripture. I'm like, dude, I need to get saved. You know what I mean? I'm, like, writing notes. Like, okay, what was that verse? What was that verse? What was that verse? You know? I mean, it just it, it oozes out of it. You should go to Unity Baptist Church. So if you don't want our church, if you want a more liturgical church, kind of a more traditional church, there's an Anglican called St. Peter's way on the north side of town. Um, in the Frenchtown area, they started a kind of a church plant, um, so, so to speak, and it's called um, Incarnation. You should go to Incarnation. You should go to Calvary Chapel. They teach the Bible verse by verse. We're going to have, by the way, again, you click up our podcast and you, uh, there's show notes and you can click and we're going to have links. We'll probably do it on social media stuff. Um, Calvary Chapel, teach the Bible verse by verse, wonderful exposition of the scripture. Um, and, and you should go, we're probably all going to end up anyways, which is Four Oaks. You know what I mean? Like you should go. That's a wonderful, I love it to death. And I think that I, I just trust their leaders. And, and there, I, could, I could go on on that. that, that that's just kind of the starting point. But, but here's what, hear me say this clearly. I hope that no matter where you land, you land at a place where you are not simply a consumer, but you are a contributor because you have been given one life to live and the greatest value that we can add to build the kingdom of God is through the local church. I do not have a preference, though I would be glad if you landed at our church, but my hope and prayer is that the kingdom of God is built through a group of people in Tallahassee, Florida, who leveraged their gifts and decided we're We're going to push against the consumeristic and we are going to leverage what God has called us to do and who he's called to give us. Please, please, please do not buy in to a consumeristic because if that's all that it is, 
you don't even need to go to church. But perhaps the church was meant to be a whole lot more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I pray as we meet here this morning and churches all across our city are meeting, that you would do a work through your son Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit and the message of your gospel, that you, a loving God, saw sinful people like us and did not, did not look at our rebellion and cast us aside, but did the opposite. You leaned in. You sent your son that we now have a right standing with you simply and solely because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And you have called us in the short life we have to make a difference. You have given us the gifting and the wiring to do something extraordinary that we are just simply extraordinary at. And I pray that you would create a church, the church, groups of churches in our city that are people running hard and desperate after you, building your kingdom, which is the only kingdom that matters. God, I pray that for every person in here, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, you would give them the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.